0: Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, joined by rock expert, fellow Clevelander, Frank Ost. Frankie, how are you? I'm great, and it's great to be here. Styx is our featured artist today. That's a good one. We'll start with Today in Rock History. Capitol Records released the Beatles album yesterday and today in 1966 in the U.S. And,
1: you know, that was the um, controversial yeah. Butcher Block uh, cover, which... Was out for like a day or something, and then they pulled them all back. So if you happen to have the butcher block cover, you've got uh, big money. I would hang on to that one. Yes. (laughs) Three years
0: later, Jimi Hendrix earned an astounding one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for a single set at the Newport Pop Festival in California. Other acts at the show: Joe Cocker, Ike & Tina Turner, Jethro Tull, CCR, The Rascals. For some reason. And Steppenwolf. Oh,
1: that would have been a fun show to watch. 150,000 people attended that three-day event in 1969. I cancel the fun. Uh, 150,000 people. No, that's right. not my idea. Of fun. That's not fun. No.
0: That was before Woodstock, by the way. A couple months before, maybe a month and a half, 1973 American Bandstand celebrated its 20th anniversary on the air with a 90-minute show. You know who hosted it? Dick Clark. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but it featured these acts. Neil Diamond, Little Richard, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Cheech and Chong, and Three Dog Nights. Quite a diverse Ooh, Wow, group.
1: yes, that's very diverse. But for Three Dog Night, 1973, that was their peak. Well, yeah, they were the probably one of the biggest bands in the world at that time. I think they need
0: nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How about you? I have no problem with that. Duh. 1977, Steve Winwood released his first album as a solo artist called Steve Winwood. Okay. And that was just before the release of Ark of a Diver, which mm-hmm. I have and I really like. That's a good album.
1: Yes, that kind of brought
0: him back into uh, fame, let's put it yeah. that way. And he was a young man still. He was only like 19 years old when he's, wasn't he like 16 when he joined Spencer exactly, v- Davis? yes. So he'd only be maybe 29 or something at the most in 1977. A year later, Foreigner released Double Vision, the title cut, along with Blue Morning, Blue Day and Hot Blooded. That was good, but I was starting to get a little tired of Foreigner. Things started sounding the same. I'm glad. Yeah, and Four- they
1: got a lot of airplay. They
0: definitely. did. They still do. I'm glad Foreigner 4 came along a couple of years later. <laughs> needed something different. Uh, David Gilmour, you know Pink Floyd, auctioned off 127 guitars from his collection at Christie's in New York City mm. three years ago today. It raised over $21 million at this auction, 127 guitars. Wow. That's incredible. I hope he didn't look in his closet and go, oh, shoot, where are the rest of my co- Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I hope his wife didn't put him. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> we don't need this junk anymore, David. Yes. Errol Flynn was born in this state in 1909. You know, he was only 50 years
1: old at the time of his death. I didn't realize that, but uh, 1909, well, that was the year my grandmother was born. So, yeah, that yeah. goes a long way back. Mine, too.
0: My wife's grandmother, Edna, mm-hmm. was born on March 6th, 1909, 03, 06, 09. Exactly. Very easy to remember. Chet Atkins, the guitarist, Mr. Guitar, was born in 1924. Remember Mission Impossible? Loved it. <laughs> Martin Landau, 1931. He also played Bella Lugosi in that great film Ed Wood starring Johnny sure. Depp. Sure, and uh, he also
1: played uh, James Mason's henchman in one of my favorite movies. North by Northwest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Danny Aiello, 1933.
0: Len Dawson, one-time Cleveland Brown. Yeah. 1935. John Mahoney, he passed away. He was the dad on Frazier. He passed away a few years ago. sure, yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys turns 80 today. Ann Murray is 77
1: today. My goodness. Lionel
0: Richie, 1949. And Nicole Kidman turns 55 today. You know, she was born in Honolulu, Hawaii.
1: Oh, I always thought she was from Australia. I guess I was wrong. She has an Australian accent. She sure does. And I know that some of her early movies were made there, so... Okay, Frankie, concert calendar time. It's summertime. And, boy,
0: there's some good concerts coming up. Jackson Brown's going to be at the MGM Center Stage on Saturday, June 25th. Doobie Brothers 50th anniversary tour at Blossom July the 12th. It's a Tuesday. Rod Stewart and Cheap Trick at Blossom on the 19th. And that's also too, that's a week later. Psychedelic Fur's MGM Center Stage, Friday the 22nd of July. Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Tour at Progressive Field, Saturday the 30th. And guitar legend Al Dimiola on the show just announced at the Kent Stage, part of their 20th anniversary uh, celebration on Sunday, September the 11th. All right, Frankie, it's time for deep cuts from top albums. You've got one from the Rolling Stones. Yes, their Let
1: It Bleed album. It's called Monkey Man. Don't let the full title fool you, the Stones weren't monkeying around when they recorded this. This is the penultimate song on the album, just before the epic, You Can't Always Get What You Want. The intro to this song is one of my favorites. The distinctive piano progression is played over a blues bass line, then we get Keith's guitar riffing, and then finally the band kicks into full tilt into the song. You see, this was recorded after Brian Jones had left the band, but before Mick Taylor had joined. So Keith was kind of doing double duty. It also features one of Mick's best vocals as he makes his way through the lyrics that seem to be about, what else, drug use. Finally, it also has the great lyric, Well, I hope we're not too messianic or a trifle too satanic, but we love to play the blues. Now that's classic
0: (laughs) Stones. That's from their 10th studio album released in the United States, Side 2, Cut 3. The exactly, album. yes. You know, when it was released here in the States, it was released as an LP, an audio cassette, an 8-track tape, and reel-to-reel. Wow.
1: It covered all the bases, didn't it? I remember reel-to-reel. Me I too. mean, the, the people that were really into, the real audiophiles had yeah. reel-to-reel. You could say, I never had one. <laughs> no, I couldn't afford that. You could
0: say they were really into it. Ooh, I like it. Minus Sticks, today's featured artist. It comes from the album Cornerstone, the multi-platinum album from nineteen seventy nine. It was out in the fall, so Yeah. Uh, I was looking around for some good stuff to listen to that was not disco and not even the knack. And certainly not Super Tramp, although I like Supertramp, I was bored with it. But, um, <laughs> but I wasn't bored with Cornerstone's album by Styx. This later, but when they first got together, the band Dennis DeYoung was playing accordion.
1: That's oh, I never his first instrument
0: uh, oh. for the band. So we brought the accordion back, teamed up with Tommy Shaw, who wrote and sang this song, "Boat on the River." Tommy plays the mandolin on this one. Oh, okay. Backed up by the accordion work by Dennis DeYoung. It's a really good song, though. It was not released in the states, but was released in several other countries. And "Boat on the River," Frankie went to the top five in Germany. Oh, and Austria, number one in Switzerland and became the group's biggest hit in Europe. Wow, and they never even released it here. That's odd. No. They did release other albums and other songs, of course, from the album Cornerstone, which I like. I like other
1: albums better. We'll talk about that later, but it's Boat on the River by Styx. And I might have seen it in concert because I did see the Cornerstone tour. So, it's, there's a good chance I did see it.
0: You know, I did too. Um, they came to OU for homecoming that oh, okay, year. Okay, great. So, homecoming was like the end of September, which was early. Mm-hmm. But I had really good seats, like the fifth row or something like that. And I do remember seeing uh, sticks. Uh, I think I remember seeing sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Best instrumentals, time. I have sticks again, Frankie. I really want to turn people on to this song from the album Crystal Ball. That's the first one that Tommy Shaw played on. Okay, yeah. In, uh, 1976. It's called Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune is a classical piano song um, written by French composer Claude Debussy. Yeah. And then uh, played beautifully by Dennis DeYoung. Now, he doesn't play accordion. He plays piano, and it's just a gorgeous song. Beautiful piece, expertly played by Dennis. A terrific way to finish off the album, Crystal Ball, the song Claire de Lune. It's only like two minutes long
1: or something like that. It's a really nice intro to the song, Ballerina. I think you're going to like it. It's by Styx. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the way they used to do it with albums back then. They would uh, put... Kind of unusual songs in unusual places, and that right. was half the fun of listening to an album.
0: And unlike ELP, you know, Keith Emerson did such great keyboard work. Sure. You know, last week's uh, featured artist. Um, Claire de Lune didn't last forever and ever. If ELP had done it, it would probably been a 12-minute song. Exactly. Or other yeah. artists. But yeah. uh, it was just a really fantastic way to close out that album, Crystal Ball. Right. What do you have?
1: Well, I've got uh, the song, Axel F., by Harold Faltemeyer. Now, not a sexy title or artist name. This actually comes from the hugely popular movie, Beverly Hills Cop. Axel F. is Eddie Murphy's character, Axel Foley. And Harold is the co writer of the score of the movie, which won a Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack Album. He plays all the instruments on the track, which is basically four synthesizers <laughs> and a drum machine. <laughs> right. And what he did was take the earworm theme that runs through the movie and tighten it up into making this song. Now, I got to tell you how I saw the movie, because it's so 80s. My buddy, Bobby, called me up saying that he had rented a VCR and rented Beverly Hills Cop, and I should bring the family over. We are all going to watch it. Yes, what he said was, I rented a VCR because not everyone had a Mm -hmm. VCR, and you could actually go out and rent them. (laughs) So I love that, the fact that I saw it on a rented VCR Uh, VCR. uh, and a rented uh, VCR tape. tape. And I had,
0: I and our family had a VCR player, but it was like a spaceship It was gigantic <laughs> the size of a microwave oven or I something. I remember like those, yeah. Top-loading thing, and mm-hmm. it came down, and you didn't know if it would ever come back out. Absolutely. <laughs> Made those horrible sounds, and yes. yes. You know, that song went to number three, and uh, Harold Faltermeyer followed up a year later with the Top Gun Al- anthem, the Top Gun anthem. That's right, which yes, Which also he did. won a Grammy Award. Mm-hmm. And that's another song or movie you could not get away from in 1986. No, no way. Rock releases, getting into the summertime, Frankie. June 20th, 1978, Foreigner came out with Double Vision. We mentioned that before. Ooh, yeah. Stones, Emotional Rescue, two years later, 1980. That's right. Yeah, that was a good album, good a follow-up. Good, good album, yeah, yes. two, Uh Carpenter's, A Song for You, 1972. Russ Never Sleeps, Neil Young. That was a good one. Yeah, that was kind of uh, his comeback, yeah. really, at the end of the 70s. Good sure. stuff, good electric stuff in there, too, 1979.
2: Look out, Mama, there's a white...
0: later hold out Jackson Brown we did a deep cut from that album not too long ago sure Chicago 6 1973 wow good one on their hot streak America came out with Holiday in 1974 and Bob Dylan the basement tapes a year later 1975 that's right good stuff to listen to Mm -hmm. in the summer psychedelic versus pop March 22nd, 1969, Dion Warwick's This Girl's In Love With You, you know, the Herb Alpert song, which That's was right. number yes. one a year earlier, was at number seven. Dion Warwick had that female version. Um, it would, uh, <laughs> this Girl's In Love With You was also performed by Nancy Sinatra on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1968. I didn't realize that. Edie Gourmet also took a stab at it. And Dion Warwick brought the song not as high as number one, But it was released just after Promises, Promises and just before April Fool's. Wow. So she wasn't fooling around with that song. No, good record, yes. That week in uh, March of 1969, the number seven song, This Girl's In Love With You.
2: You see this girl, this girl.
1: And number six was Time of the Season by The Zombies.
3: It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasure hands. Take you in the to, land, to show you everyone it's the time of the season for
1: now this song was written by keyboard player rod argent and recorded at Abbey Road studios in August of 1967. over a year and a half after its original recording and the breakup of the group the song makes an extensive use of Call and response lyrics from singer Clown Bloomstone, interwoven with a fast-paced psychedelic keyboard improvisation by Rod Argent.
0: Yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, and they performed song. that at the Rock and Roll Induction Ceremonies when they were inducted a few years ago. That's right. So, uh, Rod Argent's number six that week with "Time of the Season," right after "This Girl's in Love with You," Dionne Warwick. Frank, it's time for our one-hit wonder. Rod Argent reappears.
1: Yes, we just just remember that name. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hold Your Head Up, 1972, the fall, number five hit. What were you doing in the fall of 72? Hmm. Playing in the marching band? Yes,
1: I was, I was, that was my first year, I believe, in the marching band uh, was fall 72. So I was just kind of getting my feet wet, so to speak. Were you playing Hold Your Head Up? No, we did not do a, a version of that. <laughs> a couple other members of uh, Argent
0: would later join the Kinks. And bandmate Russ Ballard would go on to become a very successful songwriter and producer in his own right. Yes, I, we've mentioned him before on a number of hits. Yep. Santana's winning, Since You've Been Gone, by Rainbow, one of your favorite bands. That's right. And You Can Do Magic, from one of my favorite bands, America. Mm-hmm. A big comeback of theirs. Argent was uh, hitting the charts with Hold Your Head Up. It was their only single release, so the album version is... Three minutes longer than the chopped down version of the single is a 3 minutes and 15 seconds. Very AM or FM friendly at the time. Exactly. FM stations, the hit stations, G98, WLYT here in Cleveland, just kind of getting their start there. They're starting to play more hit music on FM side. More people are getting FM radios and some even getting FM converters in their car. That's right. Uh, The song Hold Your Head Up was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. And it rose to number five here, also number five in the UK. It was written and
1: produced by Rod Argent and Chris White, who is also a member of the Zombies. And you never knew when they played it on the radio what version you were going to get, whether you were going to get the long version with the really cool keyboard solo or whether it was just going to be the shortened version. It kind of just depended on, I guess, how much... Um, time the DJ DJ had. had. (laughs) If you need a
0: bathroom break or not. Exactly. Um, You could tell right away which version it was. though. Yes, absolutely. I guess legend has it, at least according to Casey Kasem of American Top 40, that uh, right around that time, they offered Rod Argent a million dollars to get the band The Zombies back together again. He said no. He wanted to see where his solo career would go and with the band Argent. Well, that was
1: a bad idea. Anybody offered me a million dollars to do just about anything i'm in i, take I mean it. that's crazy especially since you know rod arjun had been sitting on a lot of hits let's put it that way yeah
0: and it had only been three years since time of the season was out so exactly i know the band had broken up by then but it wasn't that long he could get the guys back together again you know chris sure. white is also a member of the band co-wrote uh hold your head up right all right frankie our final spotlight year we've done them all 1967 yes. all the way up to 82 we've been mixing and matching kind of going here and there 75 we started with and then we've done them all sure we'll bring them back from time to time this is our final one though you got some good albums from that year
1: yeah and you can tell that times are a-changing because you're going to hear some uh some of these that you, we haven't heard yet
3: mm-hmm.
1: number six it's thriller by michael jackson released in late in 1982 it would be the number one album of 1983 but with such incredible sales it still left its mark on 1982 especially the christmas season where it really gained traction enough said that thriller became the biggest and most important musical video of all time not for me but For the rest of the world.
0: (laughs) I guess they released that video just in time so that it would be considered for Academy Award nomination. Right,
1: exactly. I don't know if it got nominated or won or anything. I'm sure it did. Number five, Mirage by Fleetwood Mac. two hit singles, Hold Me and Gypsies, and returned to the g- group to the top of the U.S. Billboard charts for the first time since their 1977 album, Rumors. It spent a total of 18 weeks in the top 10 and was certified double platinum for shipping 2 million copies.
0: Yeah, that's a good album. Not great. It was better than Tusk. Yes. And then they took a little break. Stevie Nicks was really doing some good solo work at that Absolutely. time.
1: Absolutely. Number 4, Business As Usual by Men At Work. Signed by Columbia Records just mo- a few months earlier, Business As Usual was one of the most successful albums internationally by an Australian group. Surprisingly, they only made two more albums before the band went defunct in 1986. <laughs> I liked them, though. I like Colin Hay, too. He's still doing stuff. Yeah, and it was it was a fun record, and it was totally different than what was had come out before. Yeah. So everybody kind of... Uh, You knew the songs when they came on the radio. Let's put it that way. Number three, Tug of War by Paul McCartney. It was McCartney's first album released after the disillusion of Wings the previous year. It was a great success and considered a kind of return to form for Paul after a couple of critically disappointing records. Number two, American Fool by John Cougar. John Cougar. This was the fifth studio album by John Mellencamp, released under the stage name John Cougar. At various points in the process, the A&R people for Reaver Records asked for a Neil Diamond type record, then shut down recording completely before reluctantly greenlighting the final result. Luckily for them they did, as this was his commercial breakthrough, holding the number one position on the Billboard album chart for nine weeks.
0: Yeah, that solidified him as an artist, didn't it?
1: Absolutely. Number one, Asia by Asia. Yeah. The year belonged to an unexpected English rock supergroup formed in London in 1981. The most cons- commercially successful lineup was its original. Total wor- worldwide sales for this album have topped 10 million
0: copies. 10 million copies! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was an okay year for music.
1: I was—I liked some of those albums you brought up, and some—some some I, I didn't like at yeah, all. Yeah. So it just kind of depended that year. It was kind of a—it was really a transition year yeah, for it, a lot it, of uh, groups.
0: It was. Asia was a breakout group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey Lewis and the News. Do you sure, believe in love?
1: Absolutely. Joan
0: Jett. I uh, love rock and roll. Is number one for seven weeks. That's incredible. Jeffrey Osborne on the wings of love. Mm, yeah. Glenn Fry busted out with The One You Love. Nice. The Idols, Hot in the City, Marshall Crenshaw, and my favorites, Someday, Someway, Culture Club, Duran Duran, Laura Branigan, The Fix, had Stand or Fall, yeah. and The Human League, which Rolling Stone magazine called all electric and good.
1: And you can see just the, the ones you mentioned there. Why? Times were t- yeah. definitely
0: changing, yes. And they were all dominated by videos to go along with it, sure. like the Human League. It was a really good video. Mm-hmm. Big comebacks for Toto, Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes, Steve Miller, The Cars, Michael McDonald, keep forgetting, Melissa Manchester. You should hear how she talks about you. Oh, I remember yeah. that song. Crosby, Stills, and Nash came back again, Wasted on the Way. Mm-hmm. Elton John's Empty Garden and Blue Eyes. yeah, 1982, and America had a big comeback with You Can Do Magic. Mm-hmm. 1982, year I got out of college, started off my professional career. I was heading in a different direction and had some good music to go along with it. Oh, absolutely. Not great, but good. <laughs> Featured artist, Styx. Nice. You know, from the River Styx, S-T-Y-X. <laughs> In Chicago in 1972, uh, released an album per year in the mid to late 70s and into the 80s. They did Chuck Panazzo on bass, his twin brother John Panazzo on drums, Dennis DeYoung keyboards and vocals, James JY Young played guitar and still does, Tommy Shaw guitars. He joined up for the album Crystal Ball. I, I
1: like them all, I like them together, they just all couldn't get along after a while, could right. they? Right, and that's uh, such a recurring theme, of course, that we've hit over the years that, uh, boy, a lot of these bands just, when when they really hit it big, just yeah. couldn't uh, stand each other. Boy, they hit it big too, <laughs> they
0: are as big as any arena rock group, Journey, REO Speedwagon, Foreigner.
1: Yeah, and they re- remind me a lot of REO Speedwagon because they had a lot of records out before they hit big. They were not an overnight sensation, let's put it that way.
0: Not at all. 1972 came Sticks, 73. A year later, Sticks 2, that had Lady on it, but it uh, was re- released after it had very tepid response in 1973. Right. But when Man of Miracles was released, the group pleaded with radio station WLS in Chicago. A big station at the sure time it there, is, yeah. WLS, by the way, um, refers to Sears, world's largest store. I never realized that. That's great. And they gave it another try. DJ started playing Lady, and sure enough, it broke out to be a big number six hit for them in March of '75. And it showed them the way
1: yeah, to stardom. Yeah, but, but it didn't. Uh, it mean that they were going to be overnight success again they still had to work <laughs> yeah. and it also
0: showed what would actually lead to their breakup because Lady was such a commercial hit for Dennis DeYoung's type of talent
2: exactly Lady, when you're with me I'm smiling Give Sinking, touch me, and my troubles are vain. Lady from my Child
3: who had Lady, oh on me. In the Serpent is Rising, 1973,
0: talked about Man of Miracles, 1974, Equinox. The first for their new label, A&M Records, that had a couple of my favorites, Lorelei and Sweet Madam Blue. Yes, absolutely.
2: Time after time, I sit and I wait for you, call. What can I say Whatever the price I'll pay For you Madame Blue Once Long ago a word from your lips and the world around.
0: After that album Tommy Shaw joined the band and lent a, a, a whole lot of great songwriting and guitar work too, not to mention his vocals. John died of a brain aneurysm. He was only 37 years oh old. Oh, God,
1: that's terrible.
0: So Ball came out in 1976. at had Mademoiselle and, of course, Claire de Lune, ballerina.
1: They played an astounding 186 dates
0: on their tour. They there.
1: were working really hard to break, um, as, as we've talked about it. Uh not an overnight success and they were trying hard to you know really hit it big yeah. and they would <laughs> they
0: would indeed but like REO Speedwagon you didn't hear much from them either but yeah. then they broke out big sticks before that though with what Dennis Young calls their peak the grand illusion with the title cut Come Sail Away Ooh. Fooling Yourself Miss America Castle Fan-
1: Walls fantastic album it's just a great album and I think uh Uh, The first one I uh, bought of theirs and then I started going back in time and buying some of the ones that I didn't know as well because I wanted to see what this was all about.
0: tunes on those albums mm-hmm. all of these were multi-platinum the grand illusion the, the follow-up pieces of eights the title cut of course blue collar man renegade that was a fan i was a big
1: fan of uh
0: renegade in the bars and college you know when i was out and i year. guess
1: um i hate to say it but uh, a certain pro football team in pittsburgh plays it as their theme song do they really? Yes, they do. Oh, Mama, I'm in fear
2: for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawmen is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my home. Oh, Mama, I can hear you a- crying, you're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long.
0: Um, you know what I do play a lot is Queen of Spades. Oh, yes, absolutely. Comes from pieces of eight. Mm Mm-hmm. time platinum album. It also hit number six, same as the previous album, The Grand Illusion. That's right. Then in 1979 came Cornerstone. Another great one. Kind of shift, though. Uh, It shifted the the focus to more of a hit-oriented and a soft rock vein, Dennis DeYoung, and that kind of irritated Tommy Shaw. He was writing maybe six or seven cuts from each album, and then things stopped happening for him, at least with the hits like Renegade. Blue Collar Man were both his. Yeah. And so Tommy Shaw. And
1: the times had kind of changed, and we were getting into the 80s, and yeah. that's where a lot of those ballads really took off.
0: Theater, too much time on my hands, which I really like. Yes. Yeah. And the best of times, which is a typical Dynasty Young song. I'm not saying that in a bad way. It just sounds like Denasty Young. Yeah. You knew it the second it came out. Who it was. <laughs> then they then they got into the Paradise Theater, kind of led them to the um, rock opera stuff. Mm-hmm. With Kilroy was here. With Don't Let It End, I really like. It's the rock opera thing about technology, robotics, and
1: censorship. 1983. Yeah. Was that the one with uh, Mr. Roboto? Yeah. yeah I think um, for a lot of people, that was the beginning of the end, was listening to Mr. Roboto. People really didn't like that one.
0: I didn't either. I didn't know <laughs> what it meant. <laughs> of the century wouldn't come out for seven more years but it was a really good album not a lot of people have it but i do it had show me the way on it oh yeah remember um, that? brave new world came out in 1999 they had something in 1995 which i picked up at one of those big box stores when they used to sell cds sure. called extended versions it's a live album with all the members of the band except for john panazzo who was very ill at the time he had a bad drinking problem and would mm. pass away of cirrhosis of the liver complications, oh so could not participate on the tour in 1994 with that classic lineup. And so he died in 1996 after battling
2: that, that, that
0: dreadful disease.
2: Would you like to play the song for
3: John?
0: 2003, Cyclorama, 2005, The Big Bang Theory, and The Mission in 2017, Crash of the Crown in 2021. That was just last year. Oh, yeah. And by then, Dennis Young had been told to take a hike. <laughs> yeah. He was with the band. Then he wasn't with the band. After Kilroy was here, they really broke up because Tommy Shaw was upset. He, he just didn't, he didn't like it. He didn't like the way the band was going.
1: Dennis DeYoung probably was saying, this is working, guys. Well, and that sounds, sounds an awful lot like Chicago, where Terry Kath was saying the same thing. Yeah. He didn't like where things were going, you know. And yeah. uh, he, he loved to play his guitar solos and, you know, the, the heavier stuff. And yeah. That's not where the market was. No. Dennis DeYoung
0: recorded a solo album in 1984 with the album uh, and the song called Desert Moon.
1: Oh, I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, sure. it was written
0: and produced Very by good. Dennis, a number 10 hit in the fall of 84 when Steve Perry was around and, you know, Toto was there with Stranger in Town. Sure. Billy Squire and Brian Adams, you know.
1: Billy Idol. Billy yeah. Idol, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to mention Madonna. Springsteen still dominating the charts that year.
2: Is this the train to moon? Was all she said. But I knew I'd heard that stranger's voice before. I turned to look into her eyes, but she moved away. She was standing in the rain, trying The way to memories in
0: a tiny girl. We stop. Dennis DeYoung is a self-taught pianist. And we already talked That's about uh, how he's also a great accordion player. You know, the, <laughs> the guys all got together. Back in the when they were young, twins John and Chuck started playing with a three piece band. They would play parties and weddings, etc., 15 bucks a piece they got back then.
1: And I've always Sixth thought days. of all the instruments that you could play. I can't imagine that anyone would be tougher to learn than the accordion. The accordion. Because you've got so many things going on there. You've got to, to, squeeze the thing to get the the music out. Then you've got the keyboard, but then you've got all those other buttons, and I don't even know what they do. I I don't either. I have no idea how you could teach yourself how to do that. I don't think the buttons (laughs) do anything. I think they're just there for luck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's still touring with uh, these days with Dennis DeYoung and the Music of Sticks. Not as much. You know, he's in his 70s now.
1: Absolutely. But he
0: stayed with the band on and off until 1979, then they finally just said, this isn't working anymore. So Tommy Shaw joined Styx in December of 75 for that album, Crystal Ball. And uh, he's still touring these days with Styx and uh, uh, James J.Y. Young.
1: Oh, okay. So So they've got their own They're still together, yeah. Tommy
0: Shaw, of course, was in Damn Yankees, you know, with Jack Blades. That's right. And had that song High Enough in 1990, right in there. So that was a big hit for him. I think it went to, like, number three. Another super group. Another super group, which didn't last long either. No, it didn't.
2: I don't It's a shame I've got to live without you anymore There's a fire in my heart A pounding in my brains, driving me crazy We don't need
3: to talk about it anymore
2: Yesterday is just a memory Can we close the door? I just made one mistake I didn't know what to say When you called me
0: So that was with uh, Ted Nugent. He was also in, uh, yeah, in that band. I remember that. Along with an unknown drummer at the time named Michael Cardellone, who would later join Leonard Skynyrd. Oh. That song, High Enough by Damn Yankees, would be a number three single in late 1990. And then Tommy's also released five studio albums of his own. I just don't remember any of them, but...
1: Not, not a single one, no.
0: So they still tour. Uh, they had a show in uh, Cincinnati uh, as part of their tour late last year, in 2021. And they've had several shows at the Venetian in Vegas this past winter, so they're still doing their thing. And uh, Dennis DeYoung is also touring not as much. You know, COVID kind of got in the way anyway. Sure. He was on the road this past winter as well doing some dates as part of his Grand Illusion 40th anniversary tour. That would be a great
1: one to see, yeah.
0: So I saw him a couple of times at Playhouse Square with uh, local youth orchestras and whatnot. So it's, Oh,
1: I remember him doing that. It's sure. a really
0: good show. Uh, I also have it on DVD, you know, one of the PBS specials. He's mm-hmm. he's very engaging and very energetic in, in those uh, guest spots on Uh, pbs when they're trying to raise money you know that's neat so he doesn't play renegade and he's not gonna play blue collar man (laughs) he's not gonna play Tommy Shaw stuff
1: yeah which was kind of the stuff that i really enjoyed
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he still puts on a really good show with his own stuff you know he's been married to his first wife he was he met her in high school he's a couple years older than her he's been married ever since like that's like 55 years or something i don't know when they got married
1: that's like you tim yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a long time and it's also a long time to be with a band no matter yeah, how successful or not but when you play all those dates 160 some odd dates that's a lot of togetherness and isn't you're it
1: you're trying to break and you're trying to make something happen and i mean how many groups uh, it's almost like a divorce when they break up because they spent so much time together mm-hmm. Just look at, you know, uh, Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. You and know, that and, was a divorce.
0: And the songs are their kids. Absolutely. In the albums. Yeah. So I can see where Dennis DeYoung said, guys, it's working. I want to keep doing this. But the guys would say, look, I'm writing
1: fewer and fewer songs, and nothing's getting released. And I want to rock hard, and yeah. maybe you don't want to do that. You want to write Babe, and that's not clicking with me. And yeah.
0: And I like Babe, and I really like Don't Let It End. He's got some good music. He's very, very talented, but sure. Tommy Shaw is, too. I liked all the stuff he did. The rockers are great, but I really like stuff from Pieces of Eight, and especially from The Grand Illusion. We mentioned all those oh, songs.
1: Tremendous
0: album. You put either one of those albums on side to side from start to finish, and it's going to be an hour's worth of great music for you. Really entertaining sure. stuff.
2: Six Morning sounds are everywhere. The warmth of spring, a gentle breeze blows through my hair. I hurry through my life, never stopping to see how beautiful. Time I'm done for the day. Out on the streets, I overheard a lady say, We now have everything, or oh, so people say.
0: But now, this I would have liked to have seen him back in 1979. I know I saw him, but I'm not sure how much I was paying attention. <laughs>
1: I do remember seeing them and I and I remember them oddly enough and you would think a group that's more progressive would have had uh, would have done more like uh a light show that kind of thing but it was very more like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band where they came out and they yeah. they just played their butts off and really didn't have anything special going no. on no genesis type no not of,
0: showmanship no, and, and no, schlocky no. stuff yeah they yeah. were very much like Kansas. Journey was like that. REO Speedwagon. They they played their music, and they played it exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, those were good days, too. I, I, re, I really liked all those bands. I hope Sticks sometime Frankie gets nominated. And if and when they do get um, inducted in the Rock Hall, I hope they're all back together again performing. If they don't get too old, because like you said many times, they're
1: starting to get a little older yeah, now. Yeah, they're all getting I mean, older Tommy Shaw's in his 60s, but... So, if you're going to get them in, let's do it now before, yeah, yeah, while they can still maybe get together and have a night where they play some of those classic tunes.
0: So, I don't know them, obviously, but maybe that's a night where, like the Four Seasons, they would just say the Sticks would, you know, let bygones be bygones for one night. We'll do it for the fans. We'll do it for our past. Exactly. You know, and and so maybe that'll come to pass someday for Sticks.
1: Because, you know, getting into the Rock Hall is. It's just as much for their fans as it is for them.
0: Yeah, just ask Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. That sticks our featured artist this week. Thanks, Frank, for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. You'll like this one next week, Jimi Hendrix Experience. Oh. You know, he started playing guitar at like age 15 or something. Exactly. And then he became what Rolling Stone magazine said, the greatest guitarist of all time and the sixth best artist ever. I'll
1: I'll buy into the definitely the greatest guitar player i ever
0: and I'm going to ask you this, What uh, he'll be headlining a show from 1969. Not Woodstock, and not the Monterey Pop Festival, but tell me two other artists that you would really like to see as his warm-up. Sure. So I'll ask you that next week. That's part of uh, next week of Tim Friedman 70s Rock Conversations. For Frank Ost. I'm Tim Friedman. We'll see you next week.